Hey, I'm Ian. And I'm James. This is Two Player. A podcast about the importance of play in a complicated world. Well, I think I think the the the, the money we spent on that bumper might have been an overspend because I didn't realize we had the Scatmaster on our roster here. That's right, Studio I, Two player. That's exactly it. Yeah, I'm gonna look up uh, Paper Skies Toronto and demand my money back because whatever he can do with his sweet computer, I can do with my lips. Um, today, uh, we're we're we got James back in the studio with us today not that we have a studio but you know what i mean and we are going to continue our conversation about sport video games esports gamification spectatorship and we are uh we're we're looking at the book sport 2.0 which was written by andy maya released by the mit press and uh he talks about how video games and sports and the worlds of virtual reality and reality are are getting closer and closer so very exciting james it's been a couple weeks mm-hmm. what's uh what what have you been playing I know, i've noticed uh you hopping in and out of discord and steam over the last couple of weeks so yeah you've, you've been doing something well on the i guess on the the topic of sports and esports and um competition competition in games season 12 of overwatch just commenced and i finished up my placement matches and um i am at low silver to start this season which if you're at all familiar with how the rankings in overwatch works you'll know that's one step up from flaming garbage and it's just (laughs) smoldering garbage so that's been fine, man. Uh, no. Like, okay, that's, oh, no. I, I, that hurts a little because I know that, like, I you you play pretty well. Okay, here's the thing. I garbage. was I was curious about how the percentiles break down for because I believe it goes bronze, silver, gold, platinum, cobalt, diamond, adamant, grandmasters, and then top five hundred. Um, right, and the the mean or what's that hump called in the distribution? I forget stats. Anyway. Yeah. Silver is still pretty bad, like pretty bad. Like when, once you get into high gold, low plat, then you're sort of average. Um, so learning that sort of put me in my place. Okay. But, but okay. Is that, but is that statistically, <laughs> is that statistically true? Like, I mean, yeah. uh, but, you're, if you're in gold, it means you are like, middle of the pack or it just means that no well it it means that like the most people like the most overwatch players are they accumulate at high gold low plat that's what i learned recently so that made i don't know how i feel about that i guess i'll tell you i'll tell you what this this makes me have a lot of faith in their game matching like pairing algorithms oh for sure because like I am as close to that flaming garbage as you could imagine. I'm I, I you know what? I'll do a placement match um, tonight and I'll 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 let you know in a couple weeks. Yeah, please do. W- where I end up. But I would I would be shocked if I was in silver. I'm assuming I'm in bronze. Oh, oh yeah, like last season I was I had to climb out of bronze to silver. But that's the other thing. If you're not playing like at least five times a week to like really work on boosting your MMR. You're, you're, you're just going to languish like wherever. But I, I think that really speaks to what makes, what makes competition engaging. And it's not always when it's super high level people competing against one another. It's when you get two teams or two adversaries who are evenly matched. That's what's really interesting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, so that's what I've been playing. I've also yesterday I started playing Brutal Legend, that Jack Black game. No, from like several years ago, a lot of years ago. Um, I I don't like it was it was on sale or something. 
one of those <laughs> those impulse buys. So, and sure. uh, yeah, I started playing it yesterday. It, it's uh, so far, it's gotten some solid chuckles out of me. I'll be it's, interested to see how deep I go, but that's it's funny. Up. Yeah, yeah. I I loved playing Wonder Boy on. Um, I think Wonder Boy was on Guitar Hero. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Was it? I feel like I, it might may not have been Wonder Boy. It might have been another Tenacious T song. But anyway, I love Jack Black, but that's between me and him. <laughs> what about you? What have you been playing, Ian? Um, well, I, I spoke a little bit in our, uh, very special episode about what, uh, what I've been playing. Um, I played a little more Rocket League. Mm -hmm. It's too difficult for me, I think. (laughs) That's fair. You know, like, well, there's, it's, there's a very high skill ceiling. Like you can, like at the very basic level, it's a pretty straightforward game. Right. But when people start getting good, they start getting real good. Exactly. And I feel I just have yet to develop some of those, uh, you know, sort of skills that, that would let me compete with people that are really good. You know, like the, the jump and fly in the air and hit the ball or I'm, I'm at the level where it's like, Oh, if I hit the ball sideways with the side of my car, you know, it's, that's, it's, it's not great. Um, I did speak about this a little bit, a little bit last week, but um, um, I've been playing some No Man's Sky. Did you follow ah, that at all when it, oh, when yeah, it came out? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that was, or the lead up to the release, and then the disastrous Ex- release. That was yeah. I I, I like, didn't. I wasn't involved because I I didn't I didn't pre order it and I didn't buy it. But um, yeah. So tell me about how that's been now that it's been out for a while. Well, I don't think I, so I, I should say like, I just bought it maybe, maybe a couple weeks ago okay. and, and then just put it, put in some hours, um, before the school year started, uh, happy continuation of the school year, everybody. Um, but, uh, it's better. I think, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a video game garner as much hate, just pure hatred as, oh, yeah, the, the as response no to the did. undelivered or unfulfilled promises was oh man was quite vitriolic absolutely like and i mean so there's i think there's two sides to it first and i think that the the thing that trumps everything is like don't just don't release a game that isn't isn't what you promised or it isn't finished like yeah. uh you know like you, you can't do that in any other profession where it's like oh hey boss like yeah, you know that presentation you wanted me to do? Well, here's 70% of it. You know, I guess we'll just make up the 30%. Like, you're not going to win Employee of the Month with that kind of attitude. And uh, I think that that No Man's Sky kind of tried to get away with that. Um, or at least that's that's what all the, the reviews and everything seemed to point Well, they out. just, maybe they started buying into their own hype. Because the hype got huge. It was like, hu- they was had so everyone, it, it wasn't yeah. just consumers who were biting on the hype, but there were also like, there were No Man's Sky's uh, Xbox bundles. Like, so yeah. they had, like, that's really big. Like, obviously based on these, these promises about, <laughs> about the game that were like, w- w- what's the status of the game now? Are they starting to sort of tick off the boxes? Um, yeah. Um, so it, it basically promised this like sort of, um, not infinite, but nearly infinite universe. Like you'll never, you'll never discover everything in the universe. You can go out and you can build and get ships and and discover, uh, everything in the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, but then what they also advertised was, um, a certain level of like interactivity. Yeah. um, That's what I remember. Co-op modes, you know, um, massively multiplayer online capability kind of stuff. And none of that really came, came with that initial release. Uh, the other thing that happened is the instancing between the different worlds. It's like, you know, you have a desert planet and you have a tropical planet and then you have a like acidic planet or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all kind of started to look like one another, right? As you go from like solar system to solar system to solar system. And after you do that 10 or 20 times, like what's the point, you know, like yeah. if, if you've seen one desert world. So anyway, two, they've done a couple things. One is that they, 
um, they built in this uh, a better story mode at the beginning. Um, it feels a lot more. I don't want to say guided because that kind of has like a negative connotation, but mm-hmm. it does. It crafts sort of a, a better story around your character, and uh, um, and there is actually cooperative mode. And when I bought it, they were about to release the the MMO capability. I don't know if they've released it yet, but okay. that is like that is imminent. So um, they're finally going to be releasing something close to what they said they were going to release. And here, let's just look at like the reviews. So yeah, you know what? I think the hate is just so strong. When I bought the game, <laughs> the recent reviews were up to, I think they were up to very positive. And then okay. all reviews were mixed, right? Yeah. And now the recent reviews are back down to mixed. Because it's just like, you know, the hype of that new release. It's called the next release. Um, for No Man's Sky. Okay. There's this big height. You can see August 8th, there's like a big spike of positive reviews and it's mostly positive, but then people just stopped caring by the end of the month. Okay. Anyway, I talked about, I talked about this a little bit last week, but I think it's interesting because I've just, I've never seen a game get piled on quite that. And how do you, because you're an elite dangerous guy. So how does it compare to that? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so elite, elite dangerous is like a really good space simulator. Like I would call it like, I would call it like a, um, essentially a space flight simulator, right? Um, you're really worried about landing and how fast you're going, and and, and the mechanics are not very forgiving. It's a very steep learning curve. It's it's not quite like Eve Online crazy charts heavy or anything like that. But it's definitely not as cartoony and not as friendly as um, as No Man's Sky. Okay. And I've sunk, I have sunk a ton of hours into Elite Dangerous. But you know what? Like I, I once described Elite Dangerous as like boring, but the right kind of boring. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which like I know for for guys like you and I that that waste probably too many hours into video games is not is like not necessarily a damning thing, but. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I can, if I can go back and like just continue to kind of grind it out, which is where I felt I, I ended up. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm interested to hear that from you and I will continue to not buy either of those titles. All right. I do have, okay. I do have another video game that I've been playing. Lay it on me. Um, But hold on. Okay. I would rather bring this up. A little bit later oh, okay, on. Okay, when it's a little bit more pertinent uh, to the discussion at hand. Maybe not even more pertinent at all, actually. Oh. It will probably just be an interruption. <laughs> okay, fair. But I don't want to give it away. So, because um, anybody who, who's listening to the last episode may, may, it may not surprise them, but I'm sure it will surprise you. And I'm just, I'm just oh. ecstatic at well, the idea I of what your reaction wait. might be. All right. You want to talk about sports? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. I think we have to talk about the Olympics. I think that's a good place to start. I think you're right. I, I do think that a discussion about, or a comprehensive discussion about sport does have to at least touch on the Olympics because it's one global um, and not, you know, North American centric, which because that's the, the thing about sport is that it's really it's a it's a social it's a so, social exercise. So it's going to be grounded in your locale, but the Olympics sort of breaks down some of those barriers. And also the, no, that, that's probably the best reason why we should be talking about it. I can't think of any other reasons. Yeah, I think that's, that's it, right? Like the Olympics uh, was designed to bring people together uh, at a time where connectivity was, was not easy, Right. Diplomacy was not easy. People were not always talking to each other or on the friendliest of terms. But um, the Olympic Committee managed to, in the spirit of game and play and and sort of like healthy competition, which I admittedly to me sounds very like colonial British kind of like, yeah. oh, let's get together and forget who's winning and who's losing and, and have a good round of sport, young lads. Like, um, 
that's political, but <laughs> I guess like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's something that sticks out to me a bit. I'm going to try really hard not to Olympics bash during this discussion. Me too. I, I'm I, not a huge Olympics. Like I'm a huge proponent of high level athletic performance. And I, I really like the stories that get told through sports and the opportunity opportunities that arise through sport and the opportunities that sport provides um, in terms of like learning and personal development. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty cynical when it comes to the Olympics. Okay. I mean, I, I but am, I'll just get that out of the way now and then I can drop it. I'm sure. No, I think that, I think that, uh, uh, like a healthy degree of skepticism is important actually. Uh, and, um, I think that if you're looking at the Olympics only as an altruistic organization, um, then I don't think you're getting the, the whole picture. But I'll give you this. So if you look at the Olympics, who in their mission, you know, fulfill this, they have aspirations to make the world a better place. If you look at another major sports organization, you look at the, the NHL or the MLB or the NBA or any like major league soccer, whatever it is, those organizations are promoting high level athleticism. They're promoting engagement on a global level, but they're not trying to use that platform to make a world, make the world a better place. I think that if you know, you're watching like the NHL playoffs, for example, they might run sort of some nationalistic or, 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 or globalistic ad campaign for Tim Hortons. That's like, oh, we're all a big, happy global family, but they're still with that mission trying to sell you something. Like hmm. my point, my point is that like a major sports organization like the NFL or the NBA or, or, or the NHL are um, not even anywhere in their mission, like trying to make the world a better place. I don't think, I mean, maybe, maybe it's in there and they're saying that like, as a result of what we do, a byproduct is that, but I think that within, within the Olympic committee's mission, that is, that is like part of the discussion always. And I think that that is an important distinction. And do I think, I think they're trying to make money? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's also because of the roots of the Olympics being about amateur excellence, um, and that it was sort of distanced from the idea of of money and professionalism from the get-go. Um, whereas these other entities, like the big four in North America, they're businesses. They are there to make tons of money. Um, and they're very good at it. Uh, so it's the... Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, where the, the Olympics at their heart aren't about, aren't about the money and are about... Um, sort of forgetting about conflict globally and just, yeah, everyone coming together into this, this one place and yeah, just, just doing sport. Um, yeah. And, and I do, I like the idea behind that for sure. Yeah. Something interesting that came up actually in the, um, in the book as well, sport 2.0 is that, um, the IOC, this is a quote from the book. It says, the IOC has always required that a condition for winning the right to broadcast the Olympic Games involves showing how a bidding broadcast can reach the largest free-to-view television mm -hmm. audience. And that's different, right? Yeah, like, for you know, sure. Uh, the MLB, uh, the Major League Baseball, is just savage when it comes to that. You know, you try to, you try to watch a playoff game or something, um, and it's not your local team. Um, you could sign up for like a, a, a pay-per-view subscription online, but because you're in a Canadian market, you may not even be able to access it, which happened to me a few years ago. And it's not like I got my money back from the MLB, you know? Um, maybe I should look into that. Yeah. Well, actually, but, to, to talk about that relationship between the, the big four in North America and how their content is distributed and consumed, um, you take a look at like the NFL, for example, and MLB, and how how tight they are with their content. And like even their highlights, um, not just like the straight-up live broadcasts of their games, but even highlights from those games. There's huge crackdowns online um, and uh, copyright 
takedown requests here and there. But the NBA has sort of embraced um, the virality that their their fans promote in like making memes and doing the edits, like Ray Rod on Instagram. Um, and Adam Silver, the commissioner, has taken the position like this gets people amped up. This is free exposure. This is this is us getting our product into the heads of our consumers um, at no cost, no no additional cost to us. In fact, it would be more expensive for us to try to crack down and monopolize all this content because at the end of the day, we want people, we want eyes on TVs so that our TV deals are as lucrative as possible. Um, so it's interesting to see how the different approaches to letting the fans consume the product. And yeah. I think that that ties back to what you were talking about with, with the Olympics is how they want, they want as many eyes on the product as possible. Like how, how are we going to, the bids that come in, they've got to show how many, yeah, how many eyes are going to be on the Olympics at no cost no additional okay. cost of those eyes. Thank you for the absolutely perfect setup because I don't think you could have teed that up any better. <laughs> um, let's play a game. Oh, ooh, I really like you this. Yeah, I'm in. All right. We got to bet something. I don't know. We can okay. we can figure that out later. But uh, Rio, the Rio Olympics. Yes. How many people do you think viewed them globally like globally. At, at some point watched an olympic event at some point during the event okay yeah um oh it's got to be some absurd number like it's what, big like i'm gonna guess over half the planet i'm gonna say four billion Okay, no, it's not even close. Oh, really? Not, oh, no, 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 no. You're like, <laughs> that's wild. Um, what is it for? What What is it for the World Cup? Am I just like completely? Wait, hold on a second. No, no, no. I am so wrong. I'm looking at a U. I'm looking at U.S. numbers. Okay, so fine. Let me. Okay. Let me. <laughs> okay. 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 Oops. Okay. Back okay, to so, so how many Americans? So thirty million viewers in America. That's yeah. it? That's well, like, I mean, that's like less that's, than ten percent. That's yeah, it's ten percent ish. So how does that okay. stack up globally? Uh that's a good question. Worldwide? We can find that out in a second. Okay. Why don't we say that after the break? Okay, but sounds good. Yeah, I so think sorry, I'm can, I'm derailing your game here. I, it's well, that's okay. How many people do you think watch how many people do you think watched Ninja's stream yesterday? Oh, a lot. <laughs> How many people? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get, if you're asking, it's going to be more than 30 million. <laughs> uh, well, no, no, not necessarily. But still, okay. Oh, one. But like, still. What does Ninja even play? I don't even know. Fortnite? Ninja plays Fortnite. Okay. He's huge. Okay. So I don't know. Was it over 20 million? No, no, no. no. Oh, less, man, I'm bad with these numbers. Uh, ten million. Hmm. You should never go on the prices. Two million. Right, I think zero it's, million. It's about it's about two. So it's anywhere anywhere between about uh, in the last week. Um, now keep in mind, I feel like we got back to school games happening, which may have been affecting his numbers or not. Do your do your math homework, kids. Um, Anywhere between 376,000 and 2 million viewers. But this is a day, right? Yeah, that's insane. So last month, last month, he got 30,500,000 viewers, which means that the the Olympics is about a month, right? Uh, Yeah, a little less. A little less? Three weeks? Two weeks? Yeah, I think like three weeks. Okay. Whatever it is, like Ninja is getting the same amount of views in a month than the number of people that watch the Olympic Games in the United States of America. 
That's really telling. It's really telling. And now we have that conversation about um, are video games a sport? Now, 10, 15 years ago, I can't imagine the Olympic Committee, the the IOC would have entertained the idea. They just had the forum. Well... Now, right? I know it's insane. That's what I mean. It's insane. I, I'm on the same yeah. page as you. Like ten years ago, even five years ago, yeah. I would have been like, "There's no, there's no way. There's no way." Like I'd be like, "I get, I get the argument, but there's just no way." And the fact that they actually just had an esports forum on July 21st in Lausanne. Lausanne. Oh, I don't know my European names, but that that that's crazy to me. And sure. they, they were discussing it in earnest because they have yeah. to. Because they have to. Because uh, you, you, you can't ignore that. So ignoring, ignoring for a second whether uh, what is a sport and what is a game, like I think that you, we, we quickly get swept up in semantics that, yeah. that don't matter as much really. Like if, if the mission is getting people together for healthy competition um, and you have 30 million people mostly young people who are getting older and are still going to maintain these behavioral patterns i assume watching uh stream like this is only one streamer too yeah. right um uh, a month then you can't ignore that you can't ignore those numbers right no, ex- i don't ex- think exactly well and not only is it popular but it's globally popular like that's the big thing is that it's not just an american phenomenon it's a global phenomenon and it's and and yeah, so that's why they have to they have to pay attention to it. Um, although apparently, yeah. apparently they're not super stoked on violence in games, which is interesting for an organization that hosts boxing matches and sword fighting, but and yeah. shooting. But whatever, you know, like. <laughs> I mean, I I wonder I wonder about that too. I think that. Um, I mean, obviously, like there's there is no correlation between violent video games and yeah. going out and being a violent person, um, but I do think that we we need to address a little bit about like our behavior within games and and, and not um, one of the things Andy Maya talks about is sort of this bridging of concepts, and, and this gets philosophical really quickly. But he talks about um, the real versus the unreal. Right. What is real? What is unreal? Like, so if we, we look at sports and we look at games and you say, well, yeah, sports are real, but video games are not real. They're virtual. We have to understand what the parameters of, mm-hmm. of realness is, right? Like in a video game, especially, especially if there's interactivity, right? You have real connection with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you're, even if you're behind a mask and you're, you're behaving differently. And I think that that is an interesting conversation in itself. But you're connecting with people, that's real. You you send a message they're receiving it. You experience real emotions in game. You're competitive, you're you're, you know, firing off all of your, you know, hormones and <laughs> you're getting into it. Uh, you're making real decisions. It's not that like your decisions may not have the same con- like they have limited consequences. Um, but you are making decisions. There those are real decisions that an actual human being is making. Uh, it's just that the parameters of the game are are in a different space, right? Yeah, I totally buy that. Right? Reminds me of uh, Jamie Linton, Space versus Place, right? <laughs> oh, Kip- that's a throwback. That's it, yeah. right? Yep. Right. Pro- uh, Professor uh, Linton uh, uh, was um, was a prof in a it was a geography course that we took together. It's human geography. Yeah. What, what, oh wow. Yeah. So it was a first year. Uh, yeah, it was first year of human geography, and that was. Is that the? Is that where we met? That's where we met, man. Oh, you and me. Wow. Callback. That's a quote. That's a quote yeah. from OG Ian <laughs> and James. The, the the meaning behind it, by the way, is is that um, a space is is a physical or virtual area, and, and a place is that same space once people have assigned meaning to it. So. Can you have virtual or imaginary places, and are those places real? The answer is yes. As yeah. as as soon as you have somebody who's constructing a space, be it imaginary, virtual, um, geographical, um, as soon as somebody 
applies a sort of tangible meaning or value, be it emotional um, or feels whatever to it, it becomes a place, right? I never thought I was going to apply that to something <laughs> 10 years later, but here we are. Hey, it was valid. Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> but yeah, I like this idea of the real and the unreal because I think that I mentioned in discussion, I can't remember if it was during the last episode I was on or just in regular conversation um, about uh, the, and I, I didn't, this isn't how I described it, but it's how I'm thinking about it now. Um, just hearing what you said, the, cause when I played football in high school, there was, I felt this disconnect, like it didn't feel the same as other team sports for whatever reason. I couldn't really figure it out. Like I played basketball um, and really enjoyed it. Football, I enjoyed it. I was, I was good at it, but it didn't really click with me. And something that I came to understand um, a bit more recently was that it football kind of dehumanized everyone on the field for me like the fact that we're all done up in this battle regalia and we've got big masks on we don't look like we look when we're off the field um and there is a definite there there's a culture of violence of sanctioned violence um and it's fostered by removing the 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 human features from your opponent. Um, yeah, it's and, it's not going to do much for your offensive linemen if they're like, I want you to go explode off the line and hammer this guy with everything you've got. And remember, he's got a family. Exactly. Like, yeah. And so there is this unreal, at least for me, I found it because it um, this unreal, this disconnect, which is similar to when, you know, when you're gaming, and you do have this disconnect from people you're playing with and you're playing against. And that probably feeds into um, the ease with which people can slip into toxic and troll-like behavior um, in games because you've got this sort of this anonymity um, both for yourself, but also you don't see um, or feel the other people who are engaging in this. And th- that's sort of what I felt um with football a little bit. So I, cause even, even though the, the consequences of actions were very real and very visceral and very physically um, felt immediately, um, you don't have that, <laughs> yeah. that same sort of experience um, gaming online. Um, but there's, I, yeah, those I barriers exist. Well, they do. I mean, the same, the same barriers, right. And I, you know, I, you're describing it like that on purpose, right? Like you're, you're wearing a mask in battle regalia and you, you don't look like you would look, um, if you were just walking your, your school hallways before, before your practice or before your game. Um, you know, in the same way, like we have avatars when we're playing the game. And when we look at the avatar, we're not thinking like that is a person and you are in competitive play with them. And, and remember to be sportsmanlike. it's really easy to, um, just want to crush them and then, you know, give them sort of a, a half-hearted, like, you know, GG enter at the end of the game. Like it's, it's, I think we, I think we need to work on sportsmanship in competitive gaming, um, more intentionally than we are right now. I, I see things. So what I really like, and I feel like we've mentioned it before, but for example, like the commendations at the air, the recommendations, the commendations at yeah, the, the end of overwatch yeah, matches, the, right? You can, yeah basically give one of your teammates a shout out for being sportsmanlike or you can give them a shout out for being a good teammate um or a good player right is that it good teammate yeah or like a shot caller someone who's on voice comms um making who's a good leader yeah exactly right that's awesome and i i heard that when they when they installed that there was like almost an immediate uptick in how people were were behaving towards one another in, in oh, the yeah. Overwatch, I, fe- I felt it immediately. Um, Amazing, yeah. And even if some of it was a little insincere, like because it's it's clearly incentivized behavior, like they're 
they're they're dangling this achievement in front of players. Um, yeah, but you know, but what? sore sore it high fives it, and orange slices, right? Exactly. Like, like it made it it made it a more enjoyable experience. Um, yeah, almost immediately. Amazing, James. I do want to talk about some other other things relating to um, big sports companies, but I think before we do that, why don't we take a little break? Sounds good to me. Okay, we're back and uh, continuing our conversation about sport and esport. Bum, bum, bum. Jane, did did you hear that? <laughs> I did hear that. What was that, Ian? Bum, bum, bum. I don't know, but it seems to be it seems to be getting a little bit louder. Whoosh, Alexa. Alexa, play Skyrim. Welcome back to Skyrim, adventurer. You scroll through your journal menu for a refresher on your quest. You agreed to help a bred and vigilant of Stendar by retrieving his offering to the Nine Divines from a dense forest. You were locked in a thrilling battle with a mud crab. You can attack with weapon, cast spell, use shout, or flee. What would you like to do? I like to bash its skull in, Alexa. You can attack with weapon, cast spell, use shout, <laughs> or flee. What would you like to do? I would like to attack with weapon. You can attack with weapon, cast spell, <laughs> use shout, or flee. What would you like to do? Attack with weapon! Your dagger pierces the mud crab. Your skill with arms has increased to level 2. Yes! The snaps its pincers. You take 5 damage. What would you like to do? I would like to flee. You can attack with weapon, cast spell, use shout, or flee. What would you like to do? I would like to tell the crab a joke. You can attack with weapon, <laughs> cast spell, use shout, or flee. What this, would you like to do? This goes on for a really long time. She... <laughs> You got pretty limited options, this baby. But um, that is the Skyrim very special edition. And um, I would like to take our listeners on a recurring quest with me. That sounds good. So what is this, the ninth platform that Skyrim has been released on? It's unbelievable. So like PC, did they release on the Switch? Yeah, I I think they did, didn't they? Yeah, Switch, PS4. PS3, Xbox. I mean, it's it's uh, VR. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like the Oculus, the HTC, and I they like. Uh, I cannot believe they released something <laughs> for Alexa. <laughs> it's great. What a time to be alive. Um, yeah, I'm stoked. I that's the most hilarious video game I've found in uh ever. Maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe not ever, but a long time. So wait, so. is that like is it legit or did, like did someone? I, this is me being an old person, but was what was that? Like, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's. Is it actually integrated with not, Alexa, or is it like is it a phone game, a mobile game? No, that's Alexa, man. It's legit Alexa. It's actually, it's actually Alexa. Oh I I don't know whether it's it's. It was developed by Bethesda or not. Okay. Um, Skyrim, very special edition, gives us... Uh, yep, it's developed by Bethesda Game Studios. Well, there it's you legit, go. baby. Now we know. Jeez. Isn't that hilarious? That's really funny. You've now okay. played that... You've played the very special edition longer than I've played... The regular edition, which we need to solve. Yeah, we'll address that. We need to get you. We need to address that at some point, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. I want to talk about major sports leagues. Okay. In North America, and in I guess the UK, but Europe as well. Um, Something. Okay. I think is is fascinating. Is that um. 
sports video games have become the most financially lucrative of all of the genres mm. of computer games, right? And you look at a game like um, like Madden or, or the NHL games, you're releasing a, just a, a different iteration of exactly, essentially the same game year over year over year. And you get fans of these sports buying the video games every single release. Yeah. Right? And it's just because they want to play as the new team, right? There have been trades and changes and everything. And they feel like they're, the teams that they're playing as, if they're playing a year older or two years older, may not be representative of, of the team that they're watching now. And so these games sell like hotcakes. Now, when they came out, they were um, uh, meant as a, a method to advertise the sport, mm-hmm. right? It's, 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 it's a revenue generator, but it wasn't the biggest revenue generator for, for, um, for sports companies or sports franchises. Or, or, um, they, they just released them because they wanted more people engaged in buying mm-hmm. jerseys and tickets and, and watching TV. Um, the irony, right, of course, is that now video games in general is, is like a bigger industry than major league sports. Isn't that amazing? Uh, yeah, it, it is really wild, especially like, especially the, cause it is a, it is a perfect formula. It's something that's already annualized. Like there's a new sports season every year. So, well, of course there's good. So that means there's going to be a new, there's going to be a new set of playoffs every year, a new champion every year. So it, it makes like you've, you've got permission to be releasing this game every year. Whereas, you know, when um, Ubisoft started to annualize Assassin's Creed, there was a bit of outcry and backlash. Like, okay, guys, let's uh, let, let's settle yeah. down a little bit. This is, is a little there, insane. It reminds me of the, the like Heath Ledger Joker meme, right? Where it's like, sports companies released a game, the same game year over year, and no one bats an eye. <laughs> Assassin's Creed releases similar games year after year and everybody loses their minds. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, no, it, it is insane. And especially, well, I, I don't know. Uh, Cause I haven't sat down with a sports game that I've owned, um, like an annualized one in a really long time. So I'm not entirely sure how people are playing them these days, but now like they're almost like role-playing games. Cause you can just, you can create a superstar or an athlete and just play as them through their entire career. So if you're doing that and that's how you play the game, like you must lose the incentive to buy the game like NFL or buy Madden each year. If you're just going to be playing it um, like the Brett Favre special. Yeah, exactly. And but like then again, like DLC online, he, said he was going to retire and just came back. Yeah, that's but yeah, the online component's huge. And didn't FIFA just figure out how to print money even more or like the new FIFA game? I think that's illegal. Because, well, the, or the printing money or what they were doing to metaphorically money. Print I don't money. know what you're talking about. Well, they like... What do you mean? Uh, I shouldn't have gone into this without having complete knowledge of what I'm going to say. But the new game, like, essentially you have to buy... It, well, it's the old trading uh, trading card model where you go, you buy a pack of cards. There are ten cards in there, and like you get a bunch of right. junk players, and you like you're hoping for you're hoping for a Wayne Gretzky card. James dates himself, yeah. Um, but so they're doing boxes that. Were outlawed in in Europe, right? Well, in Belgium, and Belgium was the first like. I don't know. I, I think it's just Belgium has been the first country, the first government to take a stand and be like, okay, stop. This is this is gambling. Can't do it. Right. Um, and it's I'm really interested to see who starts following suit because I would love to see that removed from games. Um, from say Hearthstone, well, a game well, with well, which see, you are see that, very familiar. Yeah, that's really interesting because then. It's like, yeah, because then games like Hearthstone or even if we get into the real world with Magic the Gathering, 
It's yeah. um, the, the games are very much play to win, or, or sorry, pay to win. Pay, like, pay to like win. you do yeah. not get access to all the game pieces when you start playing. the The only way to get access to the game pieces is either by grinding really slowly, like you can technically play Hearthstone as a free to play game, and like save up. Yeah, but you have to and, and, grind. Oh yeah, right? no, it's. I would as much fun as I've had with Hearthstone. Like I, I've been playing for a while, not quite since the beta, but since the fairly early days. But I would have a very hard time recommending it to anyone who wanted to not spend a lot of money on it to be even remotely competitive or have fun. Oh man, really? Just because it's, yeah. <laughs> well, at least you can play like. Hearthstone is free. It's a free download. There it is free content. Like if if you don't care about being competitive and being on the ladder, then it can be it can be fun. Whereas Magic the Gathering, like you ha- actually have to have physical. Oh cards yeah, you, you literally have to buy yeah. every card that you have. Um, yeah. So yeah. You so so another... back back to the, la- the the lottery aspect. There's. I'm really interested to see what happens. Um, I hope it gets because it it is gambling. It is, um, and I hope there is a crackdown on that. I do not like the loot box trend at all. I don't think I do think it's anti-consumer. I don't think you find many gamers who are on board with it. I'm okay with the Overwatch loot boxes because they're purely cosmetic. Um, they have no impact on gameplay whatsoever. Like you still have. You have access to the whole game when you buy it. There are some mm-hmm. pretty skins that you can you can unlock. Like you can buy the skins you want for the characters you play um, with currency earned in game, um, or you can take a chance and buy a bunch of loot boxes. I honestly I can't comprehend buying a loot box in Overwatch. Um, Why you would do the loot box? Yeah, no, but I, I know people who have finding the one that you want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean it's it's tempting, right? It's yeah. like picking the mystery box. Like you, yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, you, like I but, understand. But it is a gamble. I get, I get it. I get it. Yeah. So All right, I got a, I got a new, um, I got a new quote for you here from the book. All right, which, um. Which I think has to do why uh, with it's 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 another convergence between the sports world and the video games world, uh, particularly when it comes to spectatorship and streaming. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's essentially that it's it boils down to being modern day hero worship and tribalism, right? Mm-hmm. The hero worship being you're seeing somebody do the same thing that you do, only way better than you could <laughs> yeah. imagine yourself doing it right and the tribalism aspect is that there is a group of people either watching the same person you have the same hero or you have uh like a team affiliation or something like that so the quote is and i i like it it's it's perhaps it is the allure of witnessing historic achievements that gives elite sports such value but it may be the fact that sports spectatorism often develops in fans during childhood and it becomes an affiliation that we grow up with. So that's, to me, that's striking. Like working mm-hmm. in a high school again and seeing students uh, just like obsess over, um, right now, Fortnite. Nothing is, nothing is beating Fortnite as far, as far as I can tell. I mean, a game, like kids do like other games and, and other games are very popular, but... That's what I see right now, um, and developing this this hero worship, and it's something that tells me that this is not going away, right? It, it's yeah. these are what people are growing up with now, um, and so what I was thinking, and I thought a question for you would be, um, what are some historically significant moments that you can think of, not in the sports world, because I know that we could rhyme off a ton of those, but what's a historically significant moment? In video games that may come to mind for you oh geez um in in terms of um either the hero worship part or the the tribalism part tribalism hero worshiping spectatorship well uh streaming okay i think any any of those things are on the table you and i would be hard pressed to to think of like hero worship from when we were a kid right oh yeah no definitely exist. yeah 
So we'll have to think of other examples, but is there anything that comes to mind? One that, and again, I'm removed from this because this was before I sort of decided to venture into Twitch. And even, even now it's still early days for me with this whole streaming and consuming streams thing. But the whole Twitch plays Pokemon phenomenon was incredible. So there's this... Because the one thing that isn't that wasn't touched on in terms of the hero worship and the the tribalism, I guess actually no, it probably falls into the, the tribalism. But here we had Twitch chat on a channel playing Pokemon by like democratically, and it was although oh, no, it did way. have two settings. There was so <laughs> so yeah, chat was spamming. Um, the controls for a Pokemon game, like one of the original ones, I believe. And yeah. the the avatar on the screen was responding either there was a there was a democracy mode, which was um it tallied Everybody it tallied votes. Telling. Like yeah. So it, it essentially yeah. took an aggregate score and then took that input but then there was also anarchy mode which every single command <laughs> that got put into chat was executed in the game um i think and then well and so and then the story ends wondering if with, you could with, to stop yeah. and wonder if you should <laughs> and then they beat the game like i think that that i know like, it took a while right? oh yeah yeah it. like there's this one instance where they were stuck on this like really narrow pathway and they just kept falling off the edge for days um but then essentially once they got past that point it was all downhill from there um so i guess i guess that's the and even then it didn't that's have it didn't have mind. that much of an impact on me i just think it's an amazing story um well it is like you you definitely see a, a blending of like online chat and and people connecting with each other and and um, I hesitate to call anything really like a community. I don't, I don't know why. It's just, uh, but people communicating to to do that together. Um, for me, I think of um, either like Leroy oh, Jenkins, yeah. uh, or uh, I mean, oh yeah, that, I mean that's a good one. We leave it there. The the other was a WoW example as well, but. Um, just just in that like people were sharing this like video like this funny video of this thing that happened online in a video game and people were interested to watch it and understand what was happening and mm-hmm. share it to their friends and that this uh this video went viral in early days of um of YouTube and and viral videos in general um i think that that was t- was telling us something, right? That people were interested in paying attention, and it was a stupid, silly thing when it happened. Um, but just the idea that you can mention that now to probably any gamer, um, and they will know what you're talking about. Oh, for sure. Is is historic, right? Like we're we're seeing it happen, and, and like I really think we're it, living it, man. It all comes down to narrative, and that's what people want to consume. That's what. That's what's entertaining. Um, and it's, yeah. And like, that's what, Leroy Jenkins is a perfect example. Like, to the point where it was such an incredible occurrence in game. Because I believe the video that most people have seen, including myself, is actually a recreation. Um, they actually had to stage it to capture it um, because the original either wasn't recorded or was lost um and like because it's the story it's a weird like it's something notable happens like i often think of basketball and i love basketball in this weird way but it's it's a really it's a really boring game a lot of the time like (laughs) it's literally throwing a ball through a hoop oftentimes the game is decided in the last minute and 20 seconds and you're like why do we even play the first four quarters or the first three and seven eighths quarters um and like on its own mechanically it's super boring but there are these narratives that are interwoven like 
the like the trash talk that builds fights or builds builds rivalries and matchups um and that sort of stuff is really like it it finds its way very easily into esports and and not even esports just gaming in general like watching people play games is fun it like it doesn't have to be super competitive it doesn't have to be um it doesn't have to be the hottest triple a title but it watching people engage with a game is fun and you see that in the types of viewerships that exist in an environment like twitch like you have people who um, watch streams because the streamer is an incredibly high level player and you're watching someone excel and be very good at what they do then you have people who um who you watch and it doesn't really matter whether they're good or not but they're just like they they're fun to watch because they've got personality and watching them interact with the game in and of itself is entertaining and like whether or not the game itself like maybe you it's not a game you would play but yeah i'd watch someone play that because that would be fun um whereas i don't feel like you get that same diversity when you watch sport maybe yeah maybe not yeah but then you get the other people you get the other people who log on to a stream um because of the sense of community which might be hard for you or i to really grasp um especially because like when i watch streams i don't have chat open because i can't keep up i don't understand the memes i don't understand the emoticons no no inside jokes it kind of but it kind of kills it for me. Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm like, that I'm in here with a bunch of twelve year olds. No, exactly. But that's the reason why a bunch of people are there because, like, that's what's fun. Like the way that they interact with the streamer and each other via chat, um, which is another level of engagement that is impossible to be realized at this point um, with sport. Right, and it's accessible. Super James, accessible. I th- I think we've done it. I think we cracked the case this week around streaming and spectatorship and what it means to play sports and kick your computer around like it's a soccer ball. (laughs) It's been real good. I was wondering if you have any ideas, but I was wondering what you think the worst sports game of all time is. Oh, there oh are a boy. lot of bad ones. Um, off the top, I did. Uh, yeah, choose. Okay, you go. You go carefully. first. I'm gonna need to look up specifically. You might want. You might want to take take a hot minute here, but just let me uh, let me riff off a couple contenders okay, here. Okay, go right? for it. All right, we've got Michael Jordan, chaos in the windy city. <laughs> I and do. He's holding two <laughs> basketballs. This is a Super Nintendo game. Two basketballs. One is on fire, and one is covered in ice, baby. Oh, that's awesome! It's kind of awesome. It's 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 breaking into like so bad, it's good territory. So I don't think that one can win the worst game. Okay, I'm I'm man. You've really jogged my memory from because yeah. there's one thing I hated as a young person who didn't have access to a gaming console. The was the rare opportunities where I did have access to a gaming console and I was stuck with a shitty game. Um, yeah. Okay. So what else do you have for me? So this is one that like I can see because we were talking a couple weeks ago about how, you know, now in our real life universe timeline, we have a rock climbing video game called the climb. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a VR game and it's awesome. It's, it's, it's really fun. Um, but he, here's one that was not, it's not a VR. It's, it's on the connect. And so I can see maybe where it's like, where it's trying to go, but probably did not stick at the landing. Uh, it's called Michael Phelps push the limit and it's a swimming video game. <laughs> wow. 
doesn't look good. This bomb was barely playable and encouraged players to flail around in ways that in no way resembled anything related to swimming. <laughs> it didn't kill the Kinect, but we likely won't see any further Olympic swimming video games in the near future. I, for one, would like to see a new Olympic swimming video game, but I don't know how you would go and design it. You got anything? I do. Okay. As soon as you ask this, this was the first game that popped into mind. Um, it's Winter Games for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, mm. it is, I feel like I played this. Yeah. In fact. It was uh, apparently it. developed by Epix. Um, and yeah, it was out in the 80s. Had, I think it was eight events. Um, skiing, ski jumping, biathlon. Bob said, bobsled, figure skating, speed skating, luge, and freestyle skiing. Um, and what I specifically... It's not good? No, it's not good. Um, I specifically mm. remember the figure skating event and not being able to elicit any response from the figure <laughs> skater, regardless of yeah. the input I offered to the controller. Um, so that one was one of the ones that was just literally unplayable um when you now this one isn't i'm gonna i'm not gonna call it um one of the worst sports games but i'm gonna call it one of the most the most disappointing sport game in my life um but not for the reasons you might think so predating um michael jordan chaos in the windy city by one year so uh, in 1993, there was Michael Jordan in Flight, uh, which was a DOS-based game produced by EA, <laughs> of all companies. Wow. Um, and so it's a Michael Jordan game. Not It has no licensed NBA players um, or teams. Uh, and I was really amped on it when I found it in I believe it was a shop called CompuCenter and it just looked so cool it was th as 3D as 1990 could handle um, and I was ready to yeah I wanted it I wanted it and it was gonna be great you want it bad um, yeah and I can't remember if if we bought it and then found out that our home PC couldn't run it like I think we only oh, had so crushing. We only had, had a, a megabyte or two of RAM, yeah. and it needed yeah. four. Like so, my dad looked right, into it. He's sure. like, "Okay, I'll, I'll check out to see like what it would cost to upgrade our RAM." And at that point, and it, it was, was one of the it, yeah, it was one of the points in history where RAM. Like, I, oh, like I, we're kind of at that point right now too, just with different numbers, but prices are sky high, and like a factory burned down somewhere. In Southeast Asia, and I never got to play Michael Jordan in flight. And I feel like you made up a part of that story, <laughs> but uh, I might have misremembered, okay. but I didn't make it up. James, I think I found a winner. Okay, and uh, I, I can announce it, and then and then we'll we'll wrap up here. Um, so, are you do you remember the 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 hand of God, Maradona's hand of God play, where yes. he like famously may or may not have uh, <laughs> definitely used his hand, definitely did um, in, in 1986 World Cup. Uh, this game is called Peter Shilton's Handball Maradona. Uh, it looks like it was developed for the Nintendo. Um, Peter Shilton was the English goalie during that play. And this review says, um, uh, as if it isn't bad enough for a game to be soccer where you only control the goalie making three to six saves per game, that would be bad enough, but the entire game is a childish whine about one of the most famous plays in soccer. I can see that. I was like, if, if you're like a British soccer fan and you wanted to just get angry all the time, then like play this game i guess like just and and try to rewrite history knowing that you never never can um that's it's amazing that's to me that brutal. that exists like good it on whoever of, kind of made that happen so like just so just hurt somebody hurt and they're like this isn't right this is the way to make up for it <laughs> um 
<laughs> yeah. Well, thanks everybody. That's going to do do it for us uh, for this week. We will be back in two weeks with another episode. Um, we're going to get together and decide if we're going to change the book or see if we have any more material to talk about. I think there's a little bit more, but uh, we'll have to see if it constitutes a full hour or not. So thanks a lot for listening. Big shout out to Paper Skies, who put together our logo and our theme song. Big shout out to Andy Maya, uh, Professor Andy Maya. He is on Twitter. Look him up. He wrote a great book. It's called Sport 2.0. It was published by the MIT Press, and we have just had a blast of a time reading it and talking about video games until then james you want to say anything oh it was wonderful as always ian look forward to two weeks from now all right later player (laughs) 